Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So three months ago, how many weeks has it been? For 12 weeks of Hannah's life, she has not lived in the South. She has lived here in the Northwest. And it's been quick or slow? Too fast. That's a good thing. But she came here to intern here at our church to help out with our youth group to learn. And she has been in charge of trips. She has been in charge of Wednesday night youth groups. Yeah, you're on. They can hear you. (laughs) She has learned how to build relationships with students and people she doesn't know in a land that she has never lived. And she has done a great job. And for that, we say thank you. (laughs) She is going to preach to you guys for her first time not in youth group, which for some reason she thinks that's scarier. Looking at them, I do understand why. (laughs) But we're going to pray with you before you start. So you can relax. Father, we just thank you for Hannah, and we thank you for the opportunity you have given her to speak today. Father, we know, and she has heard me say it before, we don't want to hear her. We want to hear you. Allow her to relax and allow you to take over her mind, her heart, and her soul, and to just speak your words of truth to us. Father, we love you and praise you. In that name we pray. Amen. Well, it feels like I just got here and now I have to say goodbye, which is really sad. Um, I was dedicated in this church 19 years ago, which, and this was the only place I was dedicated. I was never dedicated at home. So it's kind of weird to think that 19 years later, here I am standing in front of all of you guys again, and my family is here, or some of them, which is really awesome. So that's so cool. But like a month before I came out here, Aaron called and he said, have you ever preached before? I said, well, I've preached in youth group a little bit, but that's it. And he said, perfect. We have you down for a Sunday morning. And I said, perfect. I'm not coming anymore. (laughs) But I guess here I am. And to be honest, I am completely terrified. I felt like I was going to be sick all morning. So I can do it. (laughs) But my story starts, I guess, when I was 11 and I started the fifth grade Sunday school class with the coolest teachers in the church, Mr. Richard and Miss Laura. And they were the Sunday school teachers that everybody wanted to have. And they loved on me and, um, and took care of me and teased me, and it was so awesome. And about halfway through fifth grade, um, their oldest son walks in to steal a donut, which so not cool. And I went home, I saw him, and I went home that day, and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to marry him. And it took a few years, but now we've been dating for almost four years, <laughs> so that's pretty fun. But, um, but yeah, so, so um, Richard and Laura, they were my Sunday school teachers, and um, I had a couple of really bad years, like those preteen years that nobody likes. They really like took me under their wing and, um, and took care of me, so... Um, Fast forward a few years to a year and a half ago, um, February 10th, 2014, um, my life kind of changed. I was um, was at school, Trevecca, and David was at the community college doing his cheaper schooling that he could get. Um, 
And we were FaceTiming. And David lives on this beautiful property. His dad built this huge home, this bright yellow southern home. Had a front porch that reached all the way across the house. Um, and it sat on 25 acres. And across the yard, his grandparents lived in a house that his dad had also built. Um, and, and it was just basically like the perfect setup for just life. So we were on FaceTime and um, just talking because we don't, didn't get to see each other every day at that point. And I hear this boom. And I was like, well, that's weird. But he has two twin brothers who are uh, 17 now and a younger brother younger than them. And so I figured that they were just roughhousing, bumped into a wall, whatever. But he looks out the window across the yard to his grandparents' house. He says, oh, this is bad. And he shuts off FaceTime. And for 30 minutes, I didn't hear, hear from him at all. And... Um, and so for 30 minutes, I, I didn't know what was going on. He wouldn't answer my calls, nothing. And finally, he calls me. And he tells me that his, there was an explosion and his grandfather had died. Um, and in my brain, I figured that in his grief, he had, he had, the way he had explained a heart attack was that there was an explosion. And so I figured his grandfather had had a heart attack and had died. Um, so I called my mom. And I don't have a car on campus, so I called her and I said, Mom... David's grandfather died. I need to get to the house. I need you to come pick me up. So she drives the 30 minutes to school, and then we drive the 45 minutes to David's house. Um, and we get halfway there, and I start getting phone calls and text messages from people at church. Yay for the Nazarene grapevine, I guess. Um, and they're saying, what happened? Is everything okay? Did, did you hear? And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just a heart attack. Whatever. <laughs> and, um, and, but then we get there, and... Um, and sitting outside of, in the cul-de-sac, David's property sat on a cul-de-sac, um, was the FBI and the TBI and the bomb squad and the police. And, um, and that's when I found out that there had been an explo- a real explosion. Um, somebody had put a bomb in um, his grandparents' house, his mom's parents, and uh, it had killed them. And so that's, that was my... Um, the first part of my day, and mom and I sat outside in the cul-de-sac for seven hours, waiting for the FBI to let us into, onto the property to be with the boys. Um, David's parents had gone with his grandmother, who was barely clinging to life, to be with her in the hospital. And, um, and so his parents talked to the FBI, and they finally let us go onto the property. And we signed a lot of papers to be able to do that. And when we, when we signed the papers, they said it could be days before we let you go. Once we were on the property, we weren't allowed to leave. Um, so for about 48 hours, I didn't, well, for about a week, I didn't barely eat, I didn't sleep, nothing. It was, it was miserable. And the day they let us go, the, the day they let us leave the property, um, I went to work. I needed something to do because in my misery of the horrific 24 hours or 48 hours that I had had, I just needed to do something. So I went to work and I had been there for about 15 minutes and I get a call from David and he was apologizing and I couldn't figure out why. And until he told me, he said, my dad just confessed to doing it. And, um, and my whole world fell apart in that moment. And, and Richard was my cheerleader. He's a part of the reason I'm standing before you today. He, he pushed me to chase my dreams and what God was calling me to do. And now I didn't have him anymore. And I, I fell apart. And that evening, um, that evening we went to um, some friend's house. And, and David's family, uh, minus his dad, and my family, and, and a couple other families that we're all really close to, we all got together and spent most of the evening crying. But, um, 
but we were together. And that evening, we all gathered around the TV and watched as um, the charges were brought against Richard. And um, and as the as the um, bond was um, given to him, or they told him what his bond would be, which was a million dollars. And if it tells you anything about what Richard was like in the life of our church, um, there were two little kids there that day. And when they read the bond, the kids looked up at us and they said, if we go door to door, we can get a million dollars to get Mr. Richard out. And, um, and in that moment, I became really angry because um, I was angry that, that Richard had to feel, felt like he had to kill people. And I was angry that the man I love had to go in and watch his, parent, his grandparents burn to death as he tried to save them. But it was a chemical fire and nothing, nothing was going to be able to put it out. And I was angry that he had broken every single little boy's heart, including my brothers in that church who wanted to be just like him. And it was, it was hard. He was, the, he was my first and hopefully my only broken heart. And it was awful. And um, so to take a step back, something to, to know about me is I see things in color, which sounds a little bit weird, but when, I, when you say Tuesday, I see green. And when you say happy birthday, I see pink. I don't know. It's weird. So, <laughs> so this whole week, this whole week, I, um, all I could see was this, when I closed, even when my eyes were open, but when my eyes were closed, especially this black, just this black sheet with this like fluorescent football field type light, you know, like the ones you look at and your eyes hurt when you look at them, that sort of thing. And so when I would close my eyes, my head would hurt and my eyes would ache. It was awful. Um, but I didn't know what it meant. I, I had never thought about it, I guess. And, um, and so the, that Sunday, um, I went to church, and this lady, it was the first Sunday after the, after the accident, and this, one of my mom's friends went up to her and handed her a packet. And, um, and she said, I see things in color, and I've never met someone who did this, and I just felt, I did some, I did some research on the biblical meanings of colors, and I just really felt like you needed to have this. And my mom, knowing how I see things, handed it to me as soon as we were out of church. And um, I knew what I needed to find. And so I flipped through and I found black, which was sin and, and anger and all of that hate. Um, and I was convinced that I was not going to find this fluorescent football field light. But I looked anyway. And I'm flipping through these pages. And it was, it, there was like five or six of them. And the very last color on this sheet of paper was fluorescent. And I was, I was so excited, and I looked, and next to the fluorescent, the definition was um, the Spirit of God and His Holy Spirit and His presence. And that was really awesome. And so that has just kind of stuck with me. Um, and it's been really hard the last year and a half um, with my family and um, David's family. And, and so there's a parable that has really stuck with me um, this, this whole time. And it's in Matthew 18, if you want to read along with me. It's Matthew 18, verses, starting at verse 21. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I for- forgive my brothers or sisters who sin against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle with his servants, uh, or as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
Since he would not be able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke, choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. But his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But the servant refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and found their master and told him everything. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours but you, that because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is a hard one to read because we're called to forgive other people. However, when you get to the last little chunk of that, starting with verse 32, it says, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters. So looking at this, we are a forgiven people and that is so beautiful. However, what this is saying is that if we don't forgive people, the people around us, the people that we feel like have done wrong, we're not going to be forgiven. We're, we're not. And that's what, that's what the Lord says here. That's what, that's what it says. And I think the beautiful thing is that the Lord says that we, um, the Lord has the power to say, I'm not going to forgive you, but he does. And that's awesome. And in his grace and and mercy, he does that every single day. Um, And I know that all of us have things in our lives that don't feel like they can be forgiven, but he still continues to forgive us. And sometimes forgiveness means forgiving other people. And sometimes forgiveness means forgiving ourselves. Um, but he still continues to forgive us. And I don't think that the Lord comes to us and when we get to heaven and says, oh, you only lied and cheated, you get to go ahead of the murderer. No, I don't think he does that. He, he forgives all of us when we, when we ask, and that's so awesome. And I think the thing that happens, we get bitter when we don't forgive. And I think that's, that happens so fast when we choose not to forgive. We become bitter and we get so stuck in the past that we can't bring the kingdom of God today. And when, we bring the, when we're able to forgive, we unlock the kingdom for not only ourselves, but for other people. Even people who ruined our lives and <laughs> murdered other people. And, and, and that's a really beautiful thing, I think. Um, and, and it was really hard to forgive Richard um, for all the things that he did because he took... It just, I felt like he took my life and he ripped it into shreds and all the things that could have been weren't anymore. And that was hard. But 
Like I told you before, I wouldn't be standing here today in front of you if it weren't for him, in part. So how could I not forgive him? Um, and I was forgiven, and each of us are forgiven by our Lord and Savior. And it's our duty and it's our job to go out and extend that to other people. And sometimes that's a really hard thing to wrap our minds around, but that could be our only chance for somebody to um, see Jesus in, in their lives. One of my favorite parts about um, following Christ and um, my relationship with him is that each new day is an addition to my testimony. And one especially influential page to my testimony was added when we went to Salt Lake um, for the mission trip with the teens. And we got there on Saturday night, and that night, the pastor, wanted, the pastor of the church we were in wanted to take us to the Great Salt Lake. And I was so excited, because it's the Great Salt Lake. And so, and so we went, and, and we got there, and it was pretty. There was mountains, and this sparkling water, and this huge beach, and, and it was awesome. But the pastor, um, the pastor gathered us outside of the bus to kind of give us like a brief overview of the lake. And one of the really interesting things about the lake is that the second you step onto the beach, it's disgusting. It's so gross. There's, the salt content of the lake is so high that nothing can live in it except these like little shrimp. And so nothing can live in it. There's dead birds everywhere on the beach because they try to either drink the water or eat the shrimp and it like the salt overtakes their body. It's gross. It's disgusting. So, so nothing, <laughs> so nothing can live there. Um, but everybody wants to go there, and one time was enough for me. But as we're as we're standing there, um, the pastor is telling us all about this, and and we look over on the other side of the road, and there's all of this bright green grass growing up and this cross standing in the middle of the of the grass and so we have this dead nasty lake on one side and this beautiful like luscious green grass with a cross in the middle on the other side and it was really cool and I didn't really think much about it um until we got back that night and um and we did it like a debrief and the pastor asked the teens what they thought and there were a few people that said, you know, it's a lot like my life, really pretty on the outside, but really dead on the inside once you get close, and some things like that. And, th- and then Tim Johnson raises his hand and says, but don't you guys get it? The cross is just on the other side of the road. And I kind of sat there for a minute and didn't really think about it until about 15 minutes later, and I was like, wait a minute. That is like the most profound thing I've heard in my entire life. And, and I was so excited about that. And I think the beautiful thing is that there, we have a choice. We can choose to be bitter and to not forgive and to go towards the dirty, dead lake. But we have the cross, and that is so awesome. And we can choose the cross. And when we choose the cross... We choose a Savior who is full of grace and mercy and love, and he extends that to us so that we can extend that to others. And that's so awesome. And sometimes the cross means that we have to forgive people that we feel like can never be forgiven. And that's really hard. And when we forgive people, it doesn't necessarily mean that we forget what they did. Um, But for me, when I choose to forgive people, it means that I'm telling them that I 
want to live in right relationship with them, and then I want to move forward so that I'm not stuck in the past so that we can bring the kingdom of God. And that's so awesome. And would I choose to go through what I went through? Would I choose to do that again? No. That was literally the worst thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. It was awful. However, I got to experience a grace, the the grace of God in a way that I never would have been able to experience had that not happened. And I think when you get to experience grace personally, when you're really aware, I think we've all been extended grace, but when you really become aware of the grace that has been extended to you, it's it's a lot more life-giving to extend that grace to other people. And that's really awesome. Um, and, and it's hard to not become bitter because that's kind of our first instinct, I think. Nobody's first instinct when somebody dies is to say, oh, I'm going to go forgive you. No, that's not it. But... Um, But I think the beautiful thing is that we get to, uh, because of that grace and mercy that is extended to us, we get to be Jesus to other people. And that's a really, really, really cool thing. Um, and, And so today I want to encourage all of you to go and be Jesus to people. Go and forgive people. And sometimes that means just forgiving yourself for something you felt like you did wrong. Um, but a lot of times it means forgiving the people around you for things that you felt like they did wrong. Um, and, and that really could be the only time that they ever see Jesus. Um, so I would encourage you to do that today. Number one. Good job. I think we can all agree that forgiveness is not an easy thing but we can all agree that it's something that we are called to do. And you have given us an example. You have given us the opportunity to look deep into ourselves and to ask, who do I need to forgive? And what do I need to let go of? I'm going to have Noah come forward. Is Noah still here? I'm not going to have Noah come forward. I am going to ask you all to come forward, though, Because after Noah played, I was going to have Hannah step right down here in front. And we are going to do close out today with what we started with when she came. We are going to surround her. Head right in there. We're going to surround her and we're going to pray for her as she takes off from here. Not only that God uses her, but that God continues to work in her life and the relationship. Relationships throughout the situation when it comes to forgiveness. But also, as we pray, what I want you to do is I want you to dig deep into yourself. And I want you to ask yourself, who do I need to forgive? What do I need to let go? And am I refusing to look at the cross That's right across the road and turn to it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the mouthpiece that you used to get them to us today. Father, we pray that as Hannah gets in the car and leaves in just a couple hours, that she will go with the peace of knowing that you go before her. She goes with the peace of knowing that you're in charge. 
She goes with the peace of knowing that all she has to do is follow your lead. Father, she entered this morning very nervous, but she leaves giving us a message that we all needed to hear and know. (laughs) Father, I pray that you will continue to work in her life. Go before her each step of the way. Father, I pray that you will allow us, as we dig deep inside us, and we look to forgive those that we have chosen not to. And we look to look past things that we have chosen not to. Father, as we turn and look towards the cross, allow us, allow us the forgiveness that you grant. Become the center of our heart and our lives, that everything we do will revolve around your will and your plan. Father, we thank you that you hold no bitterness towards us, that you forgave us, that your son went on that cross, that we can turn to it, and we can turn to you, and we can lean on you. Father, we love you and we praise you today, and we ask that you take our sister. We ask that you guide her, protect her, and continue to use her however you see fit. In thy name we pray. Amen.